Welcome to Farm Chica's podcast focusing on the largest Native American fruit, the Americas, the pawpaw, the lost fruit. I'll walk you through the history and why it's so important to understand the historical roots of this amazing plant, the pawpaw tree. Welcome to Farm Chica, the podcast dedicated to providing a holistic model for promoting sustainable lifestyles and ways to engage in traditional methods of homesteading. Join me, Rene Delgado Riley, a native-born New Mexican, as I share how I respect Mother Nature through easy-to-apply tips that anyone can do. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to tap into your ancestral roots and live a more traditional simple life that focuses on sustainability and respect to the earth. So join me as I share 20 to 30 minute tips that anyone can do. Have you heard of pawpaw? Pawpaw? Doesn't matter the way you say it, but it's the largest native North American fruit. It has a tropical flavor and a custardy texture. Now you're probably confused because there are other tropical fruits called pawpaw, including the papaya. Today, I'm going to be talking about the pawpaw tree, the largest native North American fruit. These trees produce a beautiful fruit that almost looks like a mango. It looks very tropical. Some say they taste like bananas, but they're not tropical. They're actually native to most of the eastern United States and even parts of Canada. The pawpaw grows best with hot summers and cold winters. Its plant hardiness is usually in the zones 5 through 8 in the United States of America. It's relatively pest-free. It has tolerance to shade. It makes it suitable for incorporating into other parts of your orchard and different parts of your landscaping and your horticultural kind of food forest you're growing. With leaves and branches that deer avoid, the fruit is loved by all. And it's a fascinating native tree. It's the only local member of a largely mainly tropical plant family, and it produces the largest edible fruit in North America. Who would have thought? So our ancestors and our native ancestors were eating this. Many hikers today can find these along many different routes across the United States. So despite being a small understory tree, unlikely to ever grow into that forest canopy that we see, Papa is the most frequently observed kind of tree in many of our national forests in the United States. It's definitely a tasty reward for hikers and wildlife alike, which begins to ripen in late summer and peaks in September and October. The flavor of the pawpaw is compared to bananas with hints of mango, vanilla, citrus. And honestly, the fruit has an interesting appearance. It looks like a small green potato and it may occur in clusters on a tree under these giant pawpaw leaves. Opossums, fox, squirrels, raccoons, and lots of birds are well known to enjoy the pawpaw fruit. Some other names of pawpaws historically in American culture have been called the wild banana, prairie banana, Indiana banana, and so on and so on. Several native tribes of the Americas also have their own names for the pawpaw trees. Pawpaw trees are a giant shrub, um, often a small tree growing to only a height of 35 and rarely any taller than 45 feet tall. The large leaves of pawpaw trees are very distinct and are clustered symmetrically at the ends of the branches, giving kind of that distinct appearance to the tree's foliage. 
Papa trees have like three intriguing qualities. One, it's a hardy, deciduous perennial that grows either as a tree or a shrub. The fruit is optional because the plant does not self-pollinate, and we'll get into what that means um, shortly. With or without fruit, its drooping golden leaves in fall and musky maroon leaves in spring make for a really striking and structural focal point. And it's a conversational piece. Most people don't know what a pawpaw is. These trees thrive either beneath partial shade of other deciduous trees, shrub light. They often are the understory of most national forests or just grow wild. But in the full sunshine of open spaces, these pawpaw trees grow very pyramid shaped that may exceed over 30 feet in height. Our ancestors historically would scoop the sweet flesh from the ripe skins to make jams, pudding, or just eat it as a custard. It was a very, it's a very sweet fruit. It grows plentiful in the wild. The pulp and twigs of any pawpaw tree contains acetogens, which is a metabolic compound that can be toxic to some cancer cells. And historically, some of our ancestors would harness the power of these toxins and make homeopathic remedies such as insecticides. And because these types of trees, when you eat the fruit and you want to harvest that fruit from that tree, you usually have to wait until that green-shaped banana-looking potato turns really solid brown. And at that point, it looks fermented and these things don't travel well, hence why the propagation and commercial viability of these trees was never brought to fruition. So hence why most of these trees are still found in the wild are folks who really appreciate the historic story of the pawpaw bee, the largest native North American fruit, Um, sometimes incorporating these into your orchards or on your homestead is really kind of a unique thing. So again, the pawpaw is native to eastern, southern, midwestern United States, also up into Canada. But honestly, these trees commonly grow most places and it's really easy to keep the pawpaw to fruition. And actually, Jason Riley is growing about six different pawpaw trees in Corrales, New Mexico, just a little bit north of Albuquerque. So that's fairly impressive. Um, because New Mexico, that area is more of a high desert, not necessarily the same climate as the Midwest or eastern part of the United States. The earliest documentation of pawpaws was by the Spanish conquistadores. Also, Native Americans have words for them in their own cultures, and the Lewis and Clark expedition consumed many pawpaws during their travels. Um, It was planted by lots of former leaders of the country because they found it in the Midwest, in Virginia, and it was also one of the favorite desserts of George Washington. So to grow a pawpaw tree, you need to find a pawpaw first. I challenge you to Google and find a local place to buy a pawpaw tree, or you can go through One Green World in Portland, Oregon, and they'll deliver a tree right to your door. So for optimal results, you'll need moist soil with a neutral to slightly acidic pH level that's organic and well-drained. To grow a tree, you want to choose a location in full sun. It should be somewhat sheltered either by a fence, some type of shrubbery. Um, High wind is known to damage pawpaws, um, permanently twisting their branches. So you definitely want to have it in a location where it's not going to be windblown. And if you want to grow it as a shrub, select a partially shaded location beneath a canopy of other tall deciduous trees, kind of to replicate what you would find in national forests. 
so that way it can have sprawling growth and has room to roam. So besides just the, the fun of growing the largest North American fruit um, that's kind of historic for us in America, um, you could just grow the tree. But if you're really interested in the fruit, the pollination pro- process poses a challenge. The best method to ensure a fruit crop is to plant at least two different cultivars on your property, or three even better, as well as an array of nectar-rich plants that attract different types of pollinators, other insects, bees, butterflies, and you don't want them too far apart, so no more than 30 feet apart. Pawpaw trees produce many flowers, and they seldom self-populate, and in fact, they're unable to do that. Flies and beetles are the major pollinators of pawpaw trees. This is no joke, but growers of this really awesome fruit tree have been known to hang roadkill from branches just to attract as many flies as possible. Or if you want to go old school, another method of pollinating is to use a paintbrush and manually pollinate pawpaw blossoms of one variety with those of another technique that I'm not familiar with, but just something that in my research for this podcast I found. So just a note, after you choose the site where you have decided you're going to plant pawpaw tree and you have your soil prepared and you're ready to deal with pollination if you want the fruit, it might be tempting to go into the wild and dig up a pawpaw patch and take a seedling home. Well, that's not a good idea for two reasons. First, the plant has a long taproot that may be damaged in the process of pulling that up. And second, plant Plants dug in the wild seldom transplant into the home garden. So you want to definitely work with a local nursery, um, a place online. We're in the 21st century today, y'all. You can actually go online and order some plants and they'll show up to your door uh, packaged and ready to go. Look at your area. Every area is different when it comes to planting trees. Sometimes the fall is better, sometimes the spring. Just look at your area and determine um, what would be the best time of the year to plant a fruit tree. And again, just some planting tips. Trees should be planted 15 to 25 feet apart to ensure there's adequate space for growth, but also close enough so they can pollinate with one another. So you want to work the soil down a foot until it's loose and crumbly. Again, when you dig that hole, you don't want to just stick your your taproot into the hole and expect those roots to push through that hard soil. You definitely want to make it deep enough, but then you also want to tap that dirt so that way those roots have um, room to push through the soil. You're making it easier for them to transplant and enjoy their new found home. And when you take that plant out of the container that you purchased in, take your hands, stick your hands into that root ball and loosen that soil and break up any tangled roots. You want to make it easy for that tree to go into the hole to be able to spread and propagate its roots through the soil. And definitely make sure as you're um, planting your tree that you tap the soil down and you want to make it um, kind of like a ridge around the earth just so you can aid in moisture retention. Some folks put mulch just so that kind of pulls in more of the moisture and water thoroughly and keep the soil most most moist during that growing season. It's really important that pawpaw trees have water. Although pawpaw trees are exceptionally hardy and they're not uber prone to pests and disease, there are a couple of things to look for. Fungal and bacterial leaf spot sometimes occurs on the leaves when that 
tree has sat in water for far too long. So in the Pacific Northwest, Lake Oregon, that would definitely be um, something to look for. Um, also, you can go to your local nursery. Um, you don't necessarily have to rip that tree out, but there's copper-based fungicides and other organic things that you can do to make sure that's safe um, on your edible fruit and just safe for your environment, period. Pawpaws um, definitely have boars, uh, one of the few pests that specifically targets this species. The larvae consume portions of the flower when the tree is blooming, which can lead to a smaller crop. And lastly, you might have um, spider mites, hornworms, various caterpillars, Japanese beetles. They can all attack those leaves on that pawpaw tree. So just some other care and maintenance. Make sure you water deeply once a week during the growing season. And more if rainfall is scanned. So if you live in an area where there's not a lot of rain during the growing season, you definitely want to think about that. So pawpaws ripen very quickly and they bruise very easily with limits shipping time. Hence why it's best to grow these in your backyard, farm or homestead and why you never see these at the grocery store. And sometimes because these pawpaws bruise really easy when you're harvesting them, sometimes skin color may be a poor indication of ripeness. Just take your hand, gently squeeze, and with the ease of the fruit releases from its stem. When it's gently pulled, then it's ready to come off the tree. You never want to yank fruit off the tree. If you're yanking fruit off your fruit tree, it is not ready to let it go. It's still ripening up and, and getting more mature. So that's just a little tip in terms of harvesting. And again, one of the best indicators of any fruit being ripened on the tree is when it falls from the tree. Um, but again, it be can become easily bruised. So again, because this fruit is really ripe when um, it's harvested and it bruises really easily, I would just recommend don't stack your pawpaws. Um, put them in a flat like crate when you're harvesting them. Unlike apples, you don't want to stack those up on top of each other. Also, there are some chemical changes when you heat pawpaw fruit it changes their flavor versus eating them raw. So we'll talk about some recipes in a minute. And again, you wanna consume these before they rot, so don't waste any time. Simply the best way to eat a pawpaw is simply slice the fruit lengthwise, remove those giant pawpaw seeds, and spoon up that sweet, creamy yellow pulp for just a tropical seasonal sensation. It's really an amazing flavor. I, I can't... Um, really describe it other than um, the Runs candies that taste like bananas. That's the closest flavor you're going to get in a fruit, and it's a fruit. So recipes. In order to do anything with the pawpaw, besides consuming it just right off the tree, which is a great way to consume the fruit because it's really yummy. And again, it doesn't travel well, so it's really kind of hard to, to get that unless you go to the pawpaw festival in Athens, Oregon, which I've been with Jason Riley best festival ever. They had a lot of cooking demonstrations in different ways, but they harvested the the fruit very closely. And so the fruit didn't have to travel very far, but I can't encourage you enough to grow your own pawpaw trees. So what you want to do is cut that fruit open. It has a lot of seeds. Every pawpaw has multiple seeds. It looks like a tropical fruit. It almost like is a little shocking to see this fruit smack like native to North America, which goes through cold winters and warm summers, you see this very tropical fruit that you would only see like in the Caribbean. Um, it really is kind of an interesting thing in North America. So you want to take that, scoop out all the flesh, that pulp, 
Um, and you can put that in breads, cakes, you can make mixed drinks, you can make ice cream, smoothies. There are so many different ways to consume pawpaw. Honestly, planting your pawpaw, you'll be the talk of your town or neighborhood. So really, to get the most fun out of your pawpaws, um, you definitely want to scoop out that flesh. Um, and you could just really um, put it in a blender and put some ice in there. You don't even need sugar because it's super sweet. And just make almost like a smoothie and sip that up. That's a great way to, to consume your pawpaws and um, drinking fashion. And again, as I said, these rot very fast. So anytime you have ripe pawpaws, they're only going to last for two or three days at room temperature. They don't do well in the refrigerator either. They definitely ripen up really quick. I remember when I went through Athens, Ohio, and I got a pawpaw and I bought it on the festival and I left the next day. By the time I was home on the plane, the thing was super fermented in my bag. So they definitely don't last. And because the flesh is super soft and pulpy, you can't really dice it like a mango. So even though it has like taste and essence of a mango, it's super pulpy. Um, it's a handy puree and that's why it's really great to put into bread. So you can make a sweet bread just like you would make a banana bread where you have that mashed up banana. You could easily replace the pawpaw and make a pawpaw bread. I've done this with persimmons as well, same kind of concept in terms of consistency. And again, you can also take this pulp and put it in a Ziploc bag or vacuum seal it, and it should last for about six months in the freezer. Um, again, just like bananas, just like apples, just like most other fruits, it oxidizes very quickly. So make sure that you put a little bit of lemon juice in there just and try to get all the air out as possible. That way it doesn't oxidize as super quickly and change color and scare some people sometimes. I know that people think things are rotten because they turn a dark color, but it just means that it's the oxidation happening. So again, as I said earlier, heat sometimes changes the flavor. And so the best way to get the optimal experience of a pawpaw is to think frozen smoothies and salsas is the best way to kind of get that that taste um there's really great recipes for pawpaw pudding there's really great recipes for a frozen yogurt i've also done lots of fro frozen custards made with almond milk i make a traditional boiled custard and let that cool I take any kind of frozen puree of any kind of fruit. I've done it with berries, blueberries. In this case, you can do it with pawpaws. Mix it in really good and put it in the freezer and just stir it multiple times and you have a frozen custard. Now, if you have an ice cream machine or like a smoothie machine, you can run it through there and it's a lot easier, but that's just a really easy way to make a frozen custard experience with the pawpaws. You can make jams and jellies, but again, your flavor is just going to change a little bit because of that heat. But I think some great ways to just enjoy that besides raw and smoothies or in a frozen custard or frozen yogurt, you can drink it as a, a smoothie or you can add it to some champagne or Prosecco for an adult beverage. Um, I think another great recipe is either in a sweet bread or I found a recipe for Appalachian pawpaw muffins. So kind of just like any breakfast muffin that you would put that puree in place with like a banana nut muffin or any other kind of fruit muffin you make. This would be used in that batter. And you can put it in little cupcake holders or if you have a muffin pan and bake that and you have a tasty little treat to enjoy your pawpaws that way. Also, when I was at the pawpaw festival, one of the chefs there had taken some of the pawpaw pulp and made a reduction with some butter and some other white wine. 
and made a really awesome sauce that he used to simmer scallops in, and that was the most amazing flavor I've ever had. Again, there are tons of recipes out there, but before you can even cook with pawpaws and eat pawpaws, you need to grow pawpaws. So I encourage you all to take a look at um, your local nursery, do some more digging on pawpaw trees. I think just the affinity of being the largest native North American fruit is just amazing. And so definitely I encourage you to grow pawpaw trees. I think they're an awesome fruit and I think that you'll enjoy them as much as me. Thank you for listening to Farm Chica's podcast. I'm planting your pawpaw tree, one of the historic fruits of the Americas. I hope that you learned a thing or two and I hope I inspired you to plant something different and live a more sustainable life. Have a great one. And just some resources so I don't forget. Pawpaw in Search of America's Forgotten Fruit by Andrew Moore is a great book. Can't recommend it enough. And the annual Pawpaw Festival is held in Albany, Ohio, not Athens, Oregon. I have no idea where that came from. Albany, Ohio. Great festival. I encourage every single one of you, if you're in that area, it's usually happening in September. And I believe it is happening this year. Thank you all. Have a great one.